this is a missions-minded church. You agree with that statement? It's amazing to me in the time we've been here as we've been sort of logging what God has been doing through light stories both here and in other places of the globe. Something now in excess of three, maybe pushing 400 people that we know of that have come to Christ. Much of that has happened through mission emphasis, Mel Trotter mission, people from our church family preaching there regularly, children's Bible clubs, hundreds being ministered to on a weekly basis, uh, Word on Wheels, another mission outreach that you've supported through the years. And you just heard of two more this morning in India. Thank you, Sarah, for stepping out of your comfort zone. She didn't seem too nervous up here, did she? She wanted my job. I told her no. You okay with that? Thank you, Sarah, for a great job. And the Charkas working with the sewers and I remember commissioning them earlier in the year and them going out and we prayed for them much. And to hear that 75 kids just in one camp came to Christ. That's a missions-minded church. And I'm so grateful to God for that. And I'm looking forward to this month. You, uh, over the years, have given literally millions of dollars to send the gospel to all the peoples of this globe. And that, my beloved, we don't want to diminish in any way, yo. That we want to increase and that to be built on. Tim, is that you back? Would you stand, please? Tim, in, in, in some special forces, is serving our country, and they've thrown him a curve and sent him home. <laughs> thrown his family a curve and sent him home. And uh, we've been praying for you. Let me get back. I'm sorry. I just, just caught his eye. Good to see you. Um, the church has given millions of dollars, and the goal of $90,000, we want to encourage you just to begin to pray for today and work through and uh, ask God to help you do some faith stuff forward by faith this year in uh, so many areas and ways, but in missions, it's important. Now, having said that, um, we're going to come. One of you guys want to bring up my message or am I missing it? Up there on the screen. Oh, thank you. Um, we are going to talk today about missions and means. In other words, missions is what we're to accomplish, but God tells us how to do it, and he does it in the Great Commission that's found in Matthew chapter 28. I want to ask you to stand with me. You've been sitting a while anyway. There are a number of different translations out there I know of the scripture, so what I've done today is put on the screen from the New King James Version the Great Commission passage. And for one time in the time that I've been here, I'd like to ask you to read it out loud together with me so that we're all using the same uh, version. Would you read from Matthew 28 with me this text out loud? Now, wait a minute. I'll stop you if you don't read it like a good choir. All right? <laughs> 
So join out loud as a great choir reading the holy word of God and the great mission he's called us to together. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't it great reading the Word of God together? Join me in prayer. Thank you for what you've called us to, Father. And for just a brief few minutes, help us to see some things maybe we haven't considered before from this very familiar passage. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of this, your word, your law, your truth, and your commandment to us to go to all peoples and make disciples. Help us to be a stronger missions church, not just at the end of this brief study, but the end of this month, this emphasis on missions. Help us just to be committed more than ever before to take the gospel to all the peoples of this globe. Granted for Jesus' sake, in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Would you be seated, please, for just a few minutes here? Maybe you're not aware, but on three different occasions, the Lord Jesus gave this same commission. Mark and John record the first occasion. Matthew records the second. We just read it. And Luke records the third occasion. Now listen up. Seems to me that if the Son of God says something once, the church of God should listen to what he says, right? Let's vote on it, Baptists, right? Yeah. If he says it twice, both hands should go up. But if he said it three times... It seems to me like there's no unmistakable, there is no doubting at all what it is that he wants us to do. My Lord wants us to go and make disciples. That's what missions is all about. So I get it, Lord Jesus. It's an important thing to you, and it's what you have called us to and just a side note, I've been at this a while now, and what I've learned over the years is most of our discussions in church settings have very little to do with reaching, making disciples, reaching the far from God. Most of our discussions are about our huddle groups, right? What we're doing inside the walls. But this month, we're being reminded that the Lord has called us to lift off our eyes and look outside the walls and make disciples both here. Jerusalem, does not act say, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That great prophetic passage which says missions is all about discipleship, starting at home, going abroad. Now having said that, to catch the emphasis and heartbeat of missions and the means by which we are to accomplish that mission. 
It all starts with one authority. When Jesus said to them, guys, listen up, all authority is given to me. Now check your neighbor. Elbow him. Go ahead. I want to make sure everybody gets this. Are you with me? You look it. <laughs> Church, this is huge. When Jesus said, all authority is given unto me, it's a transitional statement that his disciples had not heard before. We're on this side of the story, and we know what's about to happen. Jesus is going back to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and leaves a mission for his disciples and ultimately for his church in his absence at the right hand of the Father. Up until this point, Jesus isn't viewed on the throne exalted at the Father's side. Jesus now is saying, I've been given all authority, which means I'm about to be taken to my father's side and will sit there equal in authority with him. And God's giving that back to me. I had that before the world was in eternity past. How has Jesus been known to the disciples up to this point and to the world? He's not been known as the Lord with all the authority that encompasses that one great sovereign word, Lord. He rather has been known as a servant. Did not Paul say he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God or a thing to be clung to to be equal with God? But when he wrote to the Philippians, he said he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a saith, servant, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So when he entered this world, having obeyed the Father, he came, and when he came, he did not come as a royally clad king's son, whom everybody recognized as one of position. He came as a baby, Born in a manger, not a palace. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and in some sense rags, not with royal garb. He just looked like another human being, but born lowly as a servant would be. You see him as a boy. As a boy, he's not at 12 years of age on any throne. He goes to the temple and does some kingly stuff. He instructs and teaches as the God of the universe, knowing truth. He teaches and confounds the theological doctors. But still, he's shown to be under the, the authority of his mom and his dad. Like, where you been, son? And he said, I must be about, not only submissive to his parents, but I must be about my father's business as a servant doing his will. So much so through the rest of his life that he could say that it's written of him that my will is to do the will of him who sent me. Does that sound like one in authority or a servant? It sounds like a servant. And then ultimately he did what a servant would do. 
He obeyed fully his father and gave his life on Calvary's cross. As a servant, he died. So up until this moment, there's not authority that Jesus emphasizes. There's servanthood. Don reminded us of that well this morning when the picture was there of him washing the feet of the disciples. A servant. But now it changes with just a phrase in this great mission that we're called to. It's transformed. I'm a servant? No. I have been given, listen to it, all authority. So much so that Paul goes on to write after he describes his lowly servant that God doesn't leave him here as a lowly servant but has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Are you with me? He is authority. So now he says from, in essence, a position of authority soon to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And now he continues to say to the church from his position of authority until I come again, you have this one responsibility. And what is it? There is one command that the one authority gives from on high. And we have no choice in this matter. It never comes up at a business meeting in this church. Shall we reach the far from God? Shall we make disciples? We don't vote on that kind of thing, you know? Hello? No, we're in America, I get it. But the authority, our Lord has spoken, who bought us with his own blood, and he has said to us, I have one command for you. And negatively, that command is not go. There are many who read... What we just read, the Great Commission, is if it reads the command is go into all the world and preach the gospel kind of thing. But the command isn't go. Really, the word is in your going. The command is written in a tense that basically is saying, get this, church, everybody is on the move in life. You ever feel like you never stop going? Just constantly moving? Hello? Constantly on the go. God recognized that, and he never said stop going. He assumed that we all would continue to go as long as we have breath and life. So in your going, in your moving through life, Here's the one command, positively, make disciples. Now, catch this, church. What is it to make disciples? The word disciple literally means student. And when we say student, what goes on in our heads in our American culture is a classroom setting where for a few hours, Monday through Friday, the class goes and sits and listens to instructions from the teacher and then come home and you do some homework and all the while you're a student, you're trying to figure out, how's all this going to help me in my life? 
It's like, I did all that algebra and geometry. And it's like, what for? That's what's in our head, this classroom setting. Oh, but beloved, that's not what the Lord had in mind. When he said to those fishermen, follow me, be my disciples. When he said to the doctor, namely Luke, when he said to a tax collector, Matthew, and the rest of the twelve, when he said, come on, be my disciple, what was he saying? Listen carefully. He was saying, do life with me. Come alongside and watch how I do it. And let that be replicated in your life. So what is making disciples? It's calling people to come alongside and learn with us how to function and live and think and breathe and move just the way Christ did as recorded in Holy Writ. That's what making disciples is. Wow, Larry did that in 13 minutes. Isn't that awesome? Your turn. So, two questions, and then the final challenge. One, what are your plans for tomorrow? I mean, let's just take a second. Go ahead and tell the person next to you, here's what I plan on doing tomorrow. Go ahead, share something you're going to do. Besides reclined in my recliner, what are you going to do tomorrow? Tell somebody. I'm serious. What are you going to do? Well, I have all kinds of plans for tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and the rest of the week till we meet again. My favorite saying anymore is you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. It's about right, right? He has a way of interrupting them. But we all have plans. And that's okay. God is not trying to interrupt your plans or mine with this great commission, with this mission. He assumes that we all plan to be doing something, going somewhere. Doesn't he? In your going. So this is what I'm going to do tomorrow, Lord. As best I know, your will being done, this is what I plan to do. That's not the essential question in the great commission or in this thing called missions. It starts with me and you in Jerusalem here. The central question is this. Who will you be interacting with while carrying out those plans? And I'd like you to share a name with the person next to you. Take a minute, do it. Here's who I'll be, be with tomorrow. Tell them. Anybody? <clears throat> Are you going to do life alone tomorrow? Silence is a holy thing. Who? Here's what you and I miss when it comes to Monday morning. 
we miss the very directive that Christ gave his disciples that corresponds with the Great Commission. In your going, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that are ripe unto harvest. I just ask you to name a name. Jesus said, lift up your eyes in all your going and see people. See people who need to become disciples of Christ. Care about them. Just like somebody cared about you and told you that great story. Missions begins with those of us who have been mission fields for somebody else. The missionary that implanted in my life was first my mother and then my father, who knelt with me in the church service and led me in the sinner's prayer. And at that moment, I became a disciple of Christ because my father understood the mission God called him to. It wasn't something he paid somebody else to do. Somewhere far away, mission started at home with him. He understood his blessed privilege of telling his kids and helping his kids become disciples. So in your going, who? I pick on my bride a lot. Some of you are counting the times I'm doing that. Somebody announced five times two weeks ago in one service. Well, let me, instead of picking on her, just say, she already knows the neighbor across the street and just the house next door where some people from foreign countries have just moved in. She knows the people right next door. And in her going, she's building bridges between herself and them so that she can help them build a bridge between themselves and the Lord above. And she may only get to plant a seed, that's all right but it's a seed that she gets to plant. Understanding what the one who has authority has called us to do. Oh, by the way, some translations use the word authority, translated as if it were power. That's not an accurate translation. All power is given unto me? No, he didn't use the word dunamis. That's what we get our English word dynamite from. He used the word exousia, which means authority. And primarily, it often referred to a king's authority. And my bride and Sarah and John or Don and Donna and others you'll hear from this week, and those who are going to Mel Trotter and on the word for wheels and in a hundred other places. Those who are doing that work understand it's not just a matter of all powers given. It's a matter that the authority 
that he has, the Lord Jesus, from his own seat equal with the Father, he transmutes that authority to you in this sense. And with the authority above, he extends to us the privilege, the responsibility, and the commandment to make disciples. You know where you're going tomorrow, God willing. And you know those spaces. The invitation this morning is not, will you come forward and do something about it? The invitation today and this month is far different. It is, will you understand when you walk out those doors, you are now entering your mission field. Will you understand as you walk out that you are under the authority of the final authority to take the gospel truth? Will you share it? Here's the last challenge, boldly. Asking for prayer support for boldness. Seems to me we need to understand that if that short little Jew, I don't know how tall he was, I've just got a picture of him in my mind, that short little Jew who walked the then known world over 1,300 miles in sandals, making disciples wherever he went. If he thought he needed to say to several of the churches that he wrote to, pray for me, that I might have boldness. Seems to me we ought to be asking each other for that same prayer support. Yo, will you very quickly ask the person beside you, Pray for me to have courage to make disciples in the places I'm planning on going this week. Just say pray for me. Will you? Go ahead, ask them. Pray for me. I want you to stand with me, if you will. And I'd like to pray for us so that next week when we come back, there are more stories to tell, not just way out there stories in India, though we're grateful to God for those, or South Africa or other places, but great stories where you're going that you can come back with and share and encourage others with. Thank you for praying for me. God gave me the opportunity, the boldness, and the courage to make disciples. And I dare not dismiss you before we pray without just saying, my friend, if you're here and you have no idea why we'd be so committed to make disciples and spend a whole month on that subject, on missions, just ask somebody around you before you leave, why is this such a big deal here? And let them talk to you. We care about you and your relationship with the Father above. Don't we, church? We long for you to get to know him. Corner anybody here. Come up and see me. And I'd be glad to talk with you about why missions is so critical to this body. Join me in prayer. Father, I looked out and saw scores of people talking about their plans and people and asking people to pray for them for boldness as their shepherd for this short period of time. I want to lift every one of them who are serious about this. I want to lift them up to you and say, oh God, give them courage 
this week, tomorrow morning, this afternoon, whenever they interact with people and their plans who are far from you, give them boldness, opportunity to plant a seed, to make disciples, to point people to Jesus and help them move into a life that's like his. Father, make of us a stronger body than ever that starts in Jerusalem and then moves to all the peoples of the globe. And Father, you've put us in a place where almost all the peoples of the globe are right around us. Help us to lift up our eyes, see them the way you see them, and to have courage to relate to them in such a way that we earn the right to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Use this great body this week. In Jesus' name we pray. For his sake we ask it. Amen. Worth coming for? God bless you as you go. Be missionaries.